I want to welcome you to Young Adults Today podcast, where we talk about reaching young adults in our world today. I'm going to toss it over to our hosts, Micah and Josiah Keneally. What's up, guys? Hope you're feeling alive right now. I'm Micah Keneally. And I'm Josiah Keneally. We're your hosts. Thanks for tuning in to the Young Adults Today podcast, where we talk about reaching the next generation in our world today. We also appreciate the reviews, ratings, subscribing, sharing this episode with your friends, your teams, your leaders. It helps us reach more listeners with the message of young adults today. Yes. And we have a very special guest today, Madison. Madison, welcome to Young Adults Today. How are you? Hey, I am good. It's a Monday that we're recording this on. And so my husband and I just went to St. Louis this weekend to celebrate our anniversary and just got back yesterday and are just kind of having a good start to the week but it was fun we had some good food while we were there and saw a cardinals game so who can complain yes i love it well for those of you tuning in who do not know madison uh, madison offenbecker is the young adult pastor women's pastor actually so even more fun for the ladies listening today the young adult women's pastor at fellowship young adults at fellowship bible church in arkansas so she's down south and we're here up in the midwest so we are thrilled to have you we're thrilled to lean in some fun conversation today, Madison. So for the listener and for us, if you could just kick it off right away, um, share a little bit maybe about your story, your journey in life, and yeah, how you got to where you are today. Yeah, great question. Uh, So I actually was born into a ministry family. My dad was a pastor for a little over 15 years, and he was helping with a church plant in Arizona at the time. And so whenever I was born, I just was already in a family that did love Christ and did teach me about Christ, was very involved in church. And so from an early age, I just think back to my memories and I do have a lot of memories, especially when we were in Arizona away from family at that point, the church was like our family. And so even just thinking of what people were involved in my life at that point, there was just so much in that regard where I was exposed to the things of God at a pretty early age and just had a lot of discipleship from a young age. When I was five, my family moved back to Louisiana where both my parents were from originally. And whenever I was seven, that's when I actually became a follower of Christ. And my dad walked through what that looked like with me to make sure I understood the gospel and just prayed that with me for salvation. And then was baptized shortly after that. And so really that became became my journey, I would say, of being a follower of Christ. Now then being a pastor's kid, I had a totally different side to that. And I would say that my junior high years were definitely marked with a lot of rebellion and not really wanting to be known as a follower of Christ where I was. I was in public school. And so I think just feeling some of that like early um, rebuke almost for like not being of the world, but being in the world, if that makes sense, you know, being around peers that necessarily didn't follow Christ, I kind of felt a lot of that pressure and would keep my spiritual life very private and then in public wanted to please people and wanted to fit in and all sorts of things there. And so whenever I was going to high school, my family went to a Christian family camp that summer and I just thought it was the worst idea. I did not want to go, (laughs) was not really excited to be there. And I made that known that I was not excited to be there, but God just began so much work in my heart at that time. And I remember having a camp counselor sit with me and she was just so bold. She's actually a young adult woman and was just so bold to just notice those things in my heart and to see my hesitance to just be bold in my faith. And she 
really just called me out on that after knowing me for a few days. And she just asked me hard questions and asked me why I was not willing to stand for Christ and to stand firm in my faith for others to see in my school. And I kind of asked me about, you know, what are your goals going back into high school? Are you hoping that your years of high school will be marked by following Christ? And just things I really hadn't thought much about. And that conversation was such a turning point for me. And then the rest of that summer, God just worked in my heart so much and just giving me freedom from what I was so concerned about at the time. And then just providing, you know, such a reminder that like, even if that meant that I was a little lonelier and not walking with the crowd, uh, that there was peace to be found in walking with God, even if that did mean there was a little bit of loneliness to that. I think you guys know um, Chad Glover. He was actually my student pastor in high school, which is so fun. Now he, you know, he's, a, he's awesome. And his wife, Chelsea, actually had a really big impact in my life as well. And just had some conversations with me through high school and just played a big role in discipleship. So I think just even looking in those years, God just provided so many older people that were young adults at the time who really did have a big influence in my life at that point. And then from there, I ended up going to Washtaw Baptist University. It's in Arkansas. It's kind of a weird word, Washtaw. Nobody knows how to pronounce it when they read it. (laughs) But I went there and majored in Christian studies. And that was just a huge time of discipleship in my life because I had not yet at that point been in a Christian school. And so it just blew my mind that we had you know, everyone had to take a Bible class. <laughs> there were just these things I walked in. And I was like, man, this is so awesome to see. But I also realized at the same point that my Bible literacy rate was pretty low coming in. And I thought that I really did have a good my Bible from growing up in church. But I realized that, that I really didn't know my Bible super well. And that became a really big time. I think of uh, initially learning, you know, like how to really study my Bible and not just to have a heart for it and to read it, but just had a huge time of learning that and just kind of getting first initial ministry experience there. And so I'd say that's a little bit of my story and just places and people um, that have had an important role in my faith. And then I love being at fellowship now. I mean, just I'm really thankful that I landed here uh, pretty shortly after college. And we just love this church so much. It's just a really healthy church and has just been such a joy just to be a part of here. And just feel like God's really been growing us even since we've been here my husband and I but it's exciting and happy anniversary to you guys coming up <laughs> and I know and thank you it's it's fun to have you Madison as somebody who's tuned in and listened mm-hmm. and um, you had mentioned you've benefited from the resources mm-hmm. and conversations mm-hmm. and we're excited to pick your brain because mm-hmm. I think you have a great perspective mm-hmm. and um you know, it's, it's fun to have you on as a female, as a women's pastor, as somebody who's pastoring young adults, and even at a church where there's a position of not only young adult ministry, but a women's side to that ministry too. Mm -hmm. And so we'd love to pick your brain right off the bat, chatting young adult ministry leadership and hearing from you, Madison, like what does the ministry of YA at fellowship look like? Yeah, great question. We have been through (laughs) quite a year of changes and it's been really exciting, but it's definitely been a really big year of changes, I would say. We have uh, six campuses at Fellowship, all within, I'd say, about like a 30, 40 minute radius of each other. So they're all relatively close. There's not necessarily a main campus. Each campus is under, you know, the same 
leadership of like teaching pastor, pastors and what we call a central leadership team. And then each campus has their own campus pastor and elders and staff. And so there is so much unity. Um, and at the same time, each campus really does have like their own identity at the same point. And so young adult ministry looks unique here and it being multi-campus and just trying to navigate how do we best reach young adults at all of our campuses, because we started to see growth at most of our campuses and young adults. And we were primarily just doing it at one campus for a while and then two campuses that are more in the city of Little Rock. And then we've started to see, you know, a little bit of growth in our campuses that are just right outside the city. So there's that thing there. And then a lot of people at Fellowship do actually uh, change roles. They can move around, kind of promote. Just as you're growing, they will just kind of switch you to where might be a good fit for you in that season at times if you're interested. And so our past young adult pastor, Justin Bilson, was actually promoted to being one of our teaching pastors last August. And so he is still on staff. And then the two ladies that are in my role before me are, are still on staff as well. And so we have a, just a good legacy, I'd say, of people that have served in this capacity in our church. And then in this season, really last August, we just kind of took a look and we we're like, man, there are so many young adults in our city and not many of them are being reached and we're doing a little bit, but are we doing the best at, at what we could do at what God has provided us at where God is directing us? Are we really doing what he's calling us to do to reach how many lost young adults are in the city? And we just didn't feel settled in that. We didn't feel like we were really doing um, what God might be prompting us to do in that season. So that led to really a series of conversations of just evaluating how are the things going that we do have? And at the time we had, it kind of sounds crazy when I think about it now, but at the time we had a monthly young adult service for our West Little Rock campus and a monthly young adult service for our Midtown campus. Both have stronger young adult populations. And really people would say to us, even they're like, it's once a month. Like, I don't even really remember it. We would have probably between 20 and 40 people coming. They weren't super connected. It was mostly people just from our small groups that are already here in our church coming and they would just take a break from their small groups at night and they would come together to this. And so as far as reaching like lost young adults, that really wasn't much of what we were doing. And so in evaluating that, we knew that there needed to be a change. We just didn't know what that looked like quite yet. And we didn't want to start by just offering a program, but more so building a team. And we actually visited the porch in March and it was so awesome just to get to go and talk with Josiah and Kendall. They were so helpful and just telling us, I know you guys are familiar <laughs> with what they do as well. They're awesome. <laughs> and really we caught so much vision there. We had hired a new young adult pastor in January, Brent, he's amazing. And so we were just kind of fresh going like, okay, let's look at this. We think we know what we might do. Let's go ahead and just check this out and see. And so our team went, down to Dallas and <laughs> we left and we we're like, let's not do what we were planning to do. And let's like really consider what we saw here. And I remember Josiah telling us like, you do not need to start a weekly service or a program if you don't first have leaders and their philosophy of just really equipping the leaders and giving ministry away just blew us away and was what we needed to hear. So we came back to Little Rock we're like, let's scratch what we were thinking. We're not just going to pull the plug and do something. Sometimes that can be a challenge at fellowship because we have such a big staff, yep. that philosophy of like, we do everything. Yeah. We're like, this is pretty contrary to like how we function in the past, but let's actually build into leaders first. Mm -hmm. And then we will start this um, weekly service. And so there was a lot of in that time, 
we had to really like cast vision for leaders to get buy-in because they were like, yeah, I don't, I don't really know what this looks like. I don't know if that will work. I don't know if I really want to be a part of what we've been doing. So that hasn't been something I'd say I want to give weekly time to Right. And so there is a lot of just like one-on-one meeting with people of like, Hey, I know this is where it's been. We really hope and just have vision that it will go in this direction. Like, would you be a part of helping us start that? And that was a big, took a big chunk of our time, but I would say it was so worth it. It was so worth just sitting with people and like asking them to help lead, letting them know what we saw in them to just help shape what we are hoping to start. And then from the very beginning, we used um, their leader curriculum that they sent us from the porch and just kind of contextualized it to our context, you know, changed a few things, added some things that were more fit maybe for like our young adults where we're at in Little Rock and went through that training for 10 weeks and they just soaked it up and blew us away. Every week we would give them one challenge from the training. And so if the challenge was learning how to share their story, you know, then that night their one challenge was to find one young adult to share their story with. And so they would come back and they would just have these crazy stories of like, Mm -hmm. wow, like I had this conversation with this person. Like I've never had a conversation like this before. And this is what I saw God do through this conversation, just their excitement. And sometimes they were like, I tried to have a conversation and it did not go well at all. <laughs> and we're like, hey, that's okay. Like, we're just so proud of you for like trying this. And so I think that has been the biggest thing to young adult ministry. So we do now have a weekly service every Tuesday night, but we, I just can't help but say first that like before we even did that, we had leaders that bought in, that decided they would give their time. And that's a lot of time for them to give as they're in school and in jobs but we just try to let them know how much we appreciate them. And even in thinking like about our ministry, I mean, we could not do it without our leaders. Like it's true that you can go faster alone, but you can go so much further together. And so I think our leaders have played such a huge role. And so, yeah, our services have actually jumped a lot. And what we saw as a problem in the beginning, we're seeing weekly growth, like crazy still. And we've just then have had to ask the question like, how do we like manage this growth and how do we help these people get discipled? We don't want it to just grow so large and be, you know, very shallow, maybe be an inch deep and a mile wide. We want there to be depth in these young adults and want there to be really strong discipleship for them that as they are stepping in the door and they're not so sure about Christianity and they're not so sure if they really do know Christ or not, we want to meet them there and we really want to disciple them as they're involved in our ministry. So at fellowship, D groups are really, we kind of joke that like D groups are king. <laughs> so I think for our young adults, their D groups do provide really good community for them. But we have seen a little bit of a discipleship deficiency, I'd say, as far as like, okay, they're coming, they have community, they're hearing preaching from the word of God, they're experiencing like worship, they're serving together. But like, where's the discipleship? And so right now we're actually in the middle of trying to navigate that a little bit. And I think what we're going to, go with is we're going to start a mentor pairing program we have some elders that are like really passionate about this but we just have great older men and women in our church they're older and more mature in their faith that are like hey how can we get involved in what god's doing in our young adult ministry and so we're gonna try to figure this out we think we might um have some kind of a form for them to fill out a little bit of training of just like hey we know that you're faithful you love the word you already know how to disciple but here are just some things about connecting with young adults that would just be really important to know And so we're going to have that group of people to just be ready to kind of pair with our young adults. And so I'd say that's kind of where we're at in this season is we have weekly service. Now we have D groups. We're working on this uh, discipleship thing with mentors 
in our leaders. Like, man, our leaders are amazing. <laughs> I think that's yeah. so good. You hit on so many different things that many of our listeners are actually up against. They're up totally. against transitions, you know, like, and it could be good. It could be bad. It could be messy. Like a transition yeah. is a transition because team dynamics change and it's, yeah. just, it's inevitable. And I see it similarly to this. It's like, Anytime I leave a Bible, lead a Bible study and it's like 12 to 20 girls and they are really connecting with each other. Anytime mm-hmm. we invite somebody new in or somebody leaves, the dynamics change, right? And we have to yeah. understand that there's different levels of trust. You're letting people in, you're letting people go, you're blessing them and sending them all those different components. Um, so I think even the listener can relate to the transitions your church has been through as well as probably their own form of leadership to whatever capacity, um, multi-campuses, um, whether that's multi-site campuses, meaning churches themselves or multiple life groups or D groups that you guys call them. Mm -hmm. And the discipleship model seems to be a common model that's really coming up a lot in young adult ministry. But the the trouble that we kind of come up against is when we want to connect that discipleship with that mentorship with the elders of the church, or I call them the seasoned salt. Anybody that's older than me, (laughs) grandmas, grandpas, whatever, that maybe people don't even have, or maybe even parents, um, is really learning how do we equip them to let them know they have something to offer with intergenerational um, awareness. And sometimes people are like, well, I am 75. I have nothing to offer. Oh no, you have probably plenty to offer. <laughs> we just want to pair you with the right person. And so as we're said, right. unfolding these things, um, our, our theme this next year, 2023 is equip the saints. And that's what we're focusing on with young adults today. Like how do we truly equip the saints to do the work of what God has called us all to do individually, but also together. Cause we're stronger together. Like you even alluded to that. And one of our, that's like our main theme. So how have you made this an emphasis in your church and in your ministry with equipping the saints? Like, do you want to get one step deeper? Uh, Just can you unpack that a little bit? Yeah, that's such a good question. I would say a reminder that I've had to really remember myself is that to truly equip the saints, to truly equip your leaders it's kind of the harder option and it takes a lot more of your time. It takes a lot more intentionality. It's really easy to just like slap a program down and to just hope that that kind of works and carries itself. And sometimes those aren't like bad in themselves. Right. But like, then we, what we can do is we can just ask people to leave, but they're not really getting equipped and they're not really uh, growing as leaders and growing as disciples themselves. And so we're really just having people then like stand and fill space essentially in that way. And so I think one thing that I've had to remember is like equipping the saints is worth the cost. Like it is worth the cost of your time. It's worth the cost completely to equip people more. And it's almost one of those, like my husband works for a discipleship ministry here in Little Rock. And they talk a lot about multiplication of how initially you don't see that return of that investment right away, but through that discipleship and through equipping over time, like that is a really worthy and like high return on that investment, although you might not see it right away. And so that's something that I've just had to keep in mind with our leaders is that we might not see that investment immediately. It might not be something super fast, but that this equipping is going to last longer than even just what we're doing right now, but even just some of the future of our church, like we have just kind of even told our young adult men, even in our training, we're like, Hey, like you're the future elders of our church actually. And so we want to see you being equipped now, we don't want to look up whenever we're 
you know, more at that age and a little older and think like, man, who do we pick from this? Do we have anybody, right? Like that investment, I think just carries over time. And so in equipping, I think what that looks like for us is like, A, just remembering like this has a high value. Like this is in scripture. Ephesians 4.12 has actually been one of the verses we have like gone to over and over in this season of transition and just having to remember that. But A, just remembering like this has such high value, like nothing can replace this. And I think the second thing is just looking at our different areas where we can have leaders serve and seeing what is the need then in this area. Like what do they need to be equipped in to be on our leadership team on Tuesday nights? A lot of that is actually conversation and connecting with people, first time guests, learning how to host well, those types of things. So they're equipping is more, I would say, evangelistic in that setting, like helping them learn how to connect with people and to evangelize well. Our D group leaders, they need more equipping in discipleship and in hospitality and then just learning more so how to walk alongside people as they're shepherding them. And then I would say for our um, for our people that serve like in this potential you know, mentorship idea, then I think the thing we're seeing is more so some of them are so out of touch with young adults. They're not really around young adults so much. They're just kind of those gentle reminders of some generational differences just to be mindful of in yeah. connecting. Over all of that, I think the equipping is like always in the word of God. Like just, it can never, that never just, that just never returns void. It's mm-hmm. so valuable. And so I think we hold that in high regard and just try to continue to point our leaders um, back to the word we have different training for them our lead team which is on tuesday nights we have walked through like a 10-week training with them we actually this is our first group of leaders and so we have we have high hopes that they will come back and (laughs) continue to grow in leadership and so we've actually done some like deeper leadership specific training with them i don't know if we'll carry that on in the coming years but we hope that some of them will step up and then lead sub teams as our leadership team is growing um, our D group leaders have like kind of church-wide training that we do. We we call them lunch and learns where after Sundays they come in. It's three times a year. They have some training, but a lot of it is also just one-on-one, like meeting with our leaders, uh, getting to know them and knowing their stories and knowing what they're walking through, knowing um, their challenges, even as they're a leader. Sometimes, you know, we have wonderful leaders, but they also have things they're struggling with too. And they also really need to be discipled and challenged. And so I think we're walking this fine line of, hey, we really trust you. We really think so highly of you. So we're giving you a lot of ministry, but we also want to make sure that we are pastoring you well and that we are shepherding you well as you're pouring out so much. We want to be able to pour into you and ensure that you have other people pouring into you as well. And so that's one thing that I would say has been so incredible, has just been getting to meet with our leaders and know them one-on-one and just know what's going on in their lives to help kind of meet them there. It it really excites us, Madison, to hear that um, Mm -hmm. you guys are equipping the saints, you Mm -hmm. you know, because I think that one of the things that Mm -hmm. as ministry leaders, we've probably been recruited or tapped on the shoulder many times because we were good at doing something, whether it was we were faithful, Mm -hmm. stacking chairs, we were the first people there, Mm -hmm. we were dependable, we were some of the last to leave, or we were good at doing one Mm -hmm. thing. And really the skill set is a completely different skill set of mm-hmm. doing something yourself mm-hmm. because we can read books on that. We can go to conferences on that. We can 
over time, like learn these skills and really a completely different trajectory or skill or process for church leaders is to teach other people how to do it and to give ministry Mm -hmm. away. And so whether it is something like social media, we can talk about that in a minute, or whether Mm -hmm. it's leading a discipleship group, whether it's mentoring, Mm -hmm. I look at this is all throughout scripture. I think of a young Moses who was overwhelmed with leading God's people. And he had a father-in-law Jethro who was seasoned soul, Mm -hmm. who could Mm -hmm. mentor him, who could call out greatness and could straight up just say, you're going to burn out unless you find some leaders of tens of fifties of hundreds of thousands. So match this capacity with opportunity and, and give stuff away. You can't do everything. And, um, Mm -hmm. something that really inspires me too, is how you told the young adult men, um, and just telling young adults, like, look, you're going to lead this church as elders, as board members Mm -hmm. to cast that future and to cast that vision of the future and a call out greatness. Now, I think of something Kerry Newhoff has blogged about. And he said this, that, when you're having in your churches and your businesses and your companies and your organizations mm-hmm. in leadership, he goes, when you're having conversations about the next generation, be sure to include some members of the next generation at the table in that conversation. Right. Mm-hmm. And I think of the church that I grew up in and I visited for a board meeting and just kind of give them an update. We did um, about our new ministry with mm-hmm. young adults today and everything. Mm-hmm. They wanted an update. And I looked at one of the people that I grew up in Sunday school, in junior Bible quiz, Mm -hmm. in kids ministry and youth ministry, same age as me, now a board member, literally on the board of a church with a 65 year history. And and as I look, they've been very intentional. Mm -hmm. They've been very strategic about having the different generations represented even now, Mm -hmm. even not as the leaders of tomorrow or someday or when you arrive, but Right now, you're going to actually serve as a trustee Mm -hmm. or as a board member, as a deacon. Mm -hmm. I think that that's exciting when we talk about Ephesians 4, 11 and 12, how Christ himself gave some to be apostles, Mm -hmm. pastors, teachers, Mm -hmm. evangelists, um, to equip the saints to do the work of the ministry. Um, I think that many times in the church, we've done a great job acquiring evangelistically Mm -hmm. new members of the church, right? Sharing the faith. Mm-hmm. And I think we've done a decent job many times gathering right. young adults or, or the ecclesia, mm-hmm. like growing the local church. And I think even mm-hmm. reaching young adults, reaching the next generation, a lot of times we've done decent, but as far as equipping, right. that is a clear distinction that's a little bit different than acquisition or, or reaching or gathering. I would even say it this way. I've heard it said in business that when it comes to clientele and customers, that they're teaching that retention is the new acquisition. Mm-hmm. And I think that for us as disciple makers, mm-hmm. part of what's going to be success for the future is equipping right. and it's retention. And so I would just be curious um, what some of and you've talked about you know, D group leaders, um, Tuesday night leaders and at fellowship young adults, I'd be curious, like some of the other creative ways that young adults could serve to be equipped to do the work of the ministry. Can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah, I love that. I love what you just said to both of you guys. That's really good. We actually, I'll comment on that before I 
kind of get to that, but we have three words we look to at fellowship. It's who do we want them, what do we want them to know? Who do we want them to be? And what do we want them to do? And so kind of that know, be, and right. do, and those elements in discipleship can just go such a long way in equipping. But yeah, creative ways that we let young adults serve in our church. Our church is one thing I was drawn to about fellowship, even in just coming is young adults are drawn to our church in general. Like we didn't even have to offer a really young adult ministry, but they were still coming on Sundays. They're still getting involved, which is kind of unique. I know that not every church has an easy time getting young adults to their church, but that's just been something that I think has been represented well in leadership and has been just a heart in the people that have led in our church for years now. And so I think we are just seeing kind of that this is a part of the culture that young adults really just do feel welcome. And so for them to serve, in creative ways in our church i mean they can serve genuinely like all over our church it doesn't have to be just in young adult ministry we have so many different outlets for them and so i think there are those you know and i think creative i think of our media team yeah. <laughs> they can serve in those ways creatively where they're you know they're using those ways but they also can be creative and how they want to serve when they see needs there's just that openness where they can say hey like i see this need in our church with discipleship here, I see this need here that we're missing. Mm -hmm. What can we do about that? And that's often when we look at them and we're like, Hey, you seem to have the great idea and you have the heart for that. Why don't you take that and run with it? And so as far as how they can serve creatively, we already have so many different structured ways of serving that they can tap into, whether it's children, students, missions, media, young adults, you know, wherever that they can kind of tap into. But I'd say that the creative ways, we kind of leave that to them where they see needs. We want to hear about it. And we try to keep that openness that like, hey, we want to be humble and want to be marked by humility, even as your leaders, that we will take any idea, any feedback you have. But we want to really give you confidence that you can start that and you can lead that as long as it's, you know, fitting in, of course, with what we believe as a church. And so that's where we've seen, I think, creativity and what they're wanting to do kind of spark we even had a conversation last week some of our young adults were like hey we should like start serving monthly with like this organization in town can you guys plan that and we we're like hey how about you plan that actually like you know the people and you have that <laughs> and it's not like a, a lack of interest on our part it's just recognizing that like hey if you have the heart for this and you already know it we want you to be able to feel the confidence to do that. We'll come alongside you however we best can in doing that. So I don't know, does that answer your question and what you're thinking? <laughs> yeah, Madison, I love that. It's it's so fun to be able to like, I used to lead a Bible study and we we got creative. It was called lean in and yeah. it meant two meanings. Like lean is like being fit and being ready for like what God has physically, but also leaning into the word of God, leaning into community. Yeah. And we were just, I was able to be creative in a sense of like, okay, we're going to meet every single Tuesday night. And this is what it's going to look like. We're going to do a workout. So I used to be a personal trainer and fitness instructor. So I would lead um, us through like a 20 to 30 minute workout. And then we would mm -hmm. all bring something to share for smoothies. So we'd all bring fruit or veggies or like whatever they wanted to bring. Oh. And then we get into the word of God. So just even having that creativity in your D groups or in your Bible study groups or whoever is listening, you can get creative. You don't have to sit there and be like, we're going to 
take prayer requests. We're going to read the word of God. And then we're going to watch a video, answer these questions, like getting creative could be like, Hey, once a month, our Bible study, we, we used to serve, um, feed my starving children with the campus ministry. Yeah. So once a month we would sign up with feed my starving children for a whole semester and we would do a packing party. So we'd help them pack up the facility. They would all go out for a family dinner together, we'd go to Buffalo Wild Wings afterwards. So even just getting creative sense of learning how to step out of our comfort zone, whether it's going to the mall of America and like, Hey, we're going to offer prayer to anybody that we feel the Holy Spirit's leading us to, or ask, you know, them meaningful questions or go on a scavenger hunt or whatever those things can look like. So even just not even how you facilitate your young ministry at large, but also giving some of your leaders the freedom to be who God's created them to be. And naturally those people are probably going to come to your Bible study. So it's just super fun to hear that you've given them um, free reign when it comes to that. And I'm like, I'm one of those people, I'm like, please just don't put me on a leash. If you're going to put me and tell me how to do this, I'm not going to be very effective and it's not going to be fun for anybody. So I'll probably not be the best fit for this, but if you can give me a long leash or just give me some parameters, you know, exactly. I'm going training. Yeah. Teaching, so yeah. Yeah. So just bringing those dynamics, I think is essential for team, yeah. but also individual growth. And then it yeah. affects um, the church at large and the ministries around it. So yeah. I absolutely love that. Mm-hmm. And which leads just leads us to one more question before we have the five and five medicine. And you may have already alluded to it, but you could just um, go one layer deeper. Uh, why do you believe that young adult ministry is so vital and important in this day and age? Oh man, so many things. <laughs> so many young adults don't know Jesus and so many young adults have a distaste in their mouth when they hear the word gospel, when they hear church, when they hear Jesus Christ, right? And so I think that there's such work to be done and reaching young adults and answering some of their hard questions that they have and in spending time with them and loving them. I think young adult ministry, having that in your area, in your church, just provide such a narrow focus to look into, okay, like what are the needs of young adults in our area? What are the things we're seeing that are preventing them from knowing Christ, the things that they are concerned about? And like, how can we minister to them in those things with so many of them walking away from the church with so many of them being disengaged? And so I would say like, first off, like it's important and it's so, so needed because of that very basic, like they, they don't even know Christ. They haven't even heard the gospel or they've heard the wrong gospel. They've seen things. um, So many are deconstructing. Right. And so you just kind of have a lot of like hurt there and a lot of things that just need to be ministered to. And so I think young adult ministry provides those opportunities where they are specifically in their needs being ministered to, they are being discipled, they are being cared for, they are being loved, they're being taught the word of God like there's so much that just you get to tailor to their needs and where they're at, I think, and having that. Um, I could go on. That's probably my, well, that's <laughs> my awesome. main thing I think I see. Um, and then I, I think that a lot of things we see at least, and I know this can differ in other places, but even our young adults that did grow up in the church, I think there's some that they just really didn't get discipled super well in their church. And, you know, we have our own different theories and speculations maybe about why that was for certain ones but I think that several of them um you know will sit and if we ask them a question about scripture it's like there's 
no clue. Um, even mm. in just asking like their personal disciplines, like, Hey, how often are you in the word each week? I've been surprised by how many tell me zero, zero times and, right. and sharing what those things are. And so I think even ours that are in the church, they need to be discipled and they need to be invested in. And so that is probably like the main thing I'd say with young adult ministry. It just gives them such an opportunity to really be discipled where they are at and grown in maturity in their church. Madison, I think it's amazing. It makes me think of Josiah's going to find these stats. We um, heard some fun statistics. Well, really revealing statistics about when it comes to the word of God and when we are in it daily, what it does for our mental state, our, our spiritual state and how that affects all different things. And you want to read them for sure. This came from um, the center of Bible engagement, did a study and John Bevere did an interview about it where um, essentially if people are in scripture three or less times a week, there was like really no blip on the radar, but they started measuring and all of a sudden four times a week or more. So it could be four, it could be five, six, seven. But, um, this is what they found is number one, four times a week, they were 30% less likely to feel lonely. The second was they were 32% less likely to be angry. Bitterness was reported at a 40 times uh, or 40% less likely to feel bitter. Alcoholism dropped by 57%. 59% were less likely to view pornography and 60% were less likely to feel spiritually stagnant. And at the same time, things like evangelism tripled or quadrupled. And so it was just like going back to the basics of, I even tie it back to what you said of, Hey, there was some transition in our church and we just reevaluated, like, what are we doing with young adult ministry? Are we, we're set out to do something is, and and are we accomplishing what we're set out to do? Right. The mission of Jesus. Are we accomplishing obediently, successfully, faithfully? Are we stewarding the group, the ministry? And I love that you guys took a field trip together. (laughs) <laughs> down to Dallas at the porch just to say like, God, what could be in our city, in our right. community? Mm-hmm. And just had a heart to really start seeing young adults reached with the gospel, but not just saved, mm-hmm. also discipled yeah. and mentored and equipped mm-hmm. to be the hands and feet of Jesus in their generation. So yeah, we're fired up. That. Thanks for the work that you and the yeah. team are doing. We just believe in you guys. And I know it's going to encourage the listener too to ask right and reflect and ponder on some of the same questions that you have been. And we'd love to just kind of close with five final thoughts, five minutes. You up for the challenge? (laughs) I'm up for the challenge. (laughs) Here we go. I'll kick it off. We'll put five minutes on the clock. The first thing, what's something that maybe you, you and your husband are into as a hobby for fun right now? Ah, okay. Well, it's fall. So I'm a big pumpkin fan. I love to bake and I've recently been going to Trader Joe's a little too often getting some baking things. So that's probably what I personally would say. My husband and I like to play sports, do things outside. So we've been going on some walks with the weather. It's not really cooling down here, but (laughs) we're hoping it will cool down soon so that we can be outside and kind of do some fun sporty things out there. I love it. Okay. Since you like sports, um, do you have a favorite sports team? Uh, living in Arkansas now, I feel like I need to say the Arkansas Razorbacks, uh, <laughs> but my husband's a big Cardinals fan. So I would say we like the Cardinals. 
Hence your last trip, right? It's fun season yes. right, right now for them right now. What would you say if you could ask Mike and I anything? If you get to know us better, if no topic was off limits, what would you want to know? Ooh. I would want to know what book you have read that has shaped you the most. Oh, man. Do you want to go first? Sure. There's a couple that come to my mind, but... Yeah, of, of course, scripture and things like the Bible, we're, we're always reading the Bible daily. And um, I'd say I read about 25, 30 books a year. So I do quite a bit of reading. And so sometimes I, I would answer the question by what book do I reread? And there's a few that I try to reread every year. One of them is Ordering Your Private World by uh, Gordon MacDonald. Another great book is Spiritual Leadership by J. Oswald Sanders. Mm-hmm. Um, I've reread that one countless times. And man, I think even stuff by Dr. Alicia Bricholi, from Anonymous to the Sacred Slow, 40 Days of Decrease. Um, she writes about fasting, soul care, kind of um, spiritual disciplines, that kind of stuff. And I think that that's become a topic of interest to me along with leadership. I've definitely studied that a lot, but things like the disciplines, I've been really eating mm-hmm. some of that up. Yeah. Two come to my mind right off the bat. And that is marital wise. I would say the meaning of marriage uh, by Dr. Timothy. Yeah. That's an incredible book. Even if you're single listening to this, it just helps you understand so many different elements that both Josiah and I wish we would have read in our singleness, even before we were dating or engaged. Mm-hmm. Um, the other one, if you're a leader and you're wanting to grow in leadership, is one of my favorite books. And I read it probably four or five times and listened to and read it to me. And that is um, How to Lead When You're Not in Charge by Clay Scroggins. It's incredible. And I wish it would have been written earlier on in my ministry experience. <laughs> Um, but it still did, it still came out and still is affecting how I lead and it just puts it in perspective. Oh my gosh. So many things of what we do are not ours. They're not our own. And Mm -hmm. it's, it's all for God. It's all for the kingdom of God and our approach and our attitudes can impact, infect, affect people around us. And, um, it's just a really good leadership book and it stretched Mm me, um, probably the last one was written five, six years ago already. So I read it right when it came out and I was like, oh, where were you five years ago? But <laughs> it doesn't matter because it's here now. So yeah. <laughs> if you're a leader and you're wanting to grow and you're listening on um, Clay Scroggins, how to lead when you're not in charge. I think it's so yeah. good. It helps you learn how to respect the leadership who's gone mm-hmm. before you, even when you might feel misunderstood as a pastor or yeah. as a key volunteer, mm-hmm. whatever your role is. So, oh, two great books. Excellent question. Seriously. All right. Oh, here's a fun one. Let's say that you could travel to one place that you've never been uh, Madison, where would you want to go? Uh, okay. I would love to go to Israel one day. I've never been, my husband went and he's told me all about it, shown me pictures, but I really, one thing he's explained is like, just even reading the gospels, even reading certain parts of scripture, it almost just comes alive in a certain way when you can remember seeing that place with your eyes. So I would say Israel. Great answer. It's, it's worth the trek. It's worth becoming a a spiritual pilgrim and we've got to get you there. We've got to get Micah there and maybe the listener wants to go too, but um, Madison, how we like to wrap things up each week is just a word of encouragement, maybe a word of advice and picture yourself talking to young leaders, young Mm -hmm. pastors. Um, What would you, Mm -hmm. 
want to leave the listener with today for advice or encouragement? There's a, an older man named Soup Campbell, that's a fun name, in Memphis, and he has discipled um, some people that are in Little Rock now, and Soup has come to actually teach at Downline where my husband works, the discipleship ministry, and he has this quote that I think about so often, and he says, there are two things that will last forever, the word of God and the souls of men, mm-hmm. and I think in ministry and leadership, just something to remember is the word of God does not return void. It is so important. It's so important for us, even as leaders. And so I would say just a word of encouragement to those leading, to those serving that you need to be in the word of God. I need to be in the word of God. It is alive and active. It is profitable for us. And it is what God has given us and has spoken to us and is, um, so valuable. And so I would say the word of God, just having time there, prioritizing that is so vital. And I'd say the other thing is just remembering in all of the planning and all of the details and all of the work that we do this because we want to see people go from being lost to being saved, from people going from immature to mature, from people growing as disciples of Christ. And so I'll just say, don't lose sight of the importance of people, the importance of giving people the word of God, the importance of building relationships and even just having vision for their life as a disciple of Christ and how you want to see them grow. I would say those two things, just the word of God and the souls of men, just what are you doing? How are you spending time in those areas? Awesome. Madison, that is a great way to leave us today. It was a great challenge, but also the listener. And if we're not in the word of God, how can we be in the will of God? And if we lose sight of the soul of man, then we're just we're, we're spinning our tires, we're spinning our wheels and burning mm-hmm. our lives at both ends, right? And then we reach break um, breakdown and we want to be able to reach the breakthrough. And so our prayer yeah. is that uh, Madison, you and the team, as well as the listeners would be able to experience both those things that she talked about right there, that you would mm-hmm. great time, great space, and just lean into what God has for you um, and not be discouraged in the process. Look at it as everything as an adventure mm-hmm. and an opportunity to see what can I learn from this? What can I glean from this? Because there's always something that we can walk away with, whether being sharpened or maybe we're being pruned. It doesn't matter. <laughs> they both could be yeah. kind of hurt, right? Growing pains and hurting pains, but Yes. Um, anything else you say? Man, I think um, what I've been just hearing and seeing and reading as a theme, just read a similar um, concept from Kerry Newhoff. I think it was in his book, um, Didn't See It Coming, and how young leaders burn out sometimes becomes their story. And he just talked about being aware of an issue that you have mm-hmm. isn't the same of doing the deep, meaningful work of getting to that root issue, working through the, maybe it's Mm -hmm. counseling, working through Mm -hmm. just pruning and, and allowing God to Mm -hmm. till the the soil of our hearts and to, Mm -hmm. to, to break us, to remold us, to shape us. And so, yeah, I would just say yes and amen to that. And maybe it's um, your Mm -hmm. soul that if it's going to last forever, we need to really ask mm-hmm. ourselves, how are we taking care of our, mm-hmm. our own souls before we can help other people yeah. with theirs? And um, yeah. we're excited. So Madison, thank you so much mm-hmm. for your investment into our community of leaders today mm-hmm. and just the work you're yes. doing in Arkansas. We're cheering you on and excited about what God's doing. Yeah, thank you guys. And thank you for what you're doing with your middles today. And I know 
just as being a listener that so many of us are just so thankful for the investment and the time and the resources that you guys are doing. So thank you for being an encouragement to so many of us. You are welcome. And if you want to follow and discover more of Fellowship YA and more of Madison and the team, please feel free to connect with us on all social media platforms at youngadults.today. And this is Michael Josiah signing off. Till next time. Talk soon. Thanks for listening to today's conversation on the Young Adults Today podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, go ahead and subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. Plug me in. I'm getting charged up right now, yeah.